0: Section thirty nine of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolph by Francis Sheridan, Volume three, continued. The old gentleman was punctual to his agreement, constantly paying my father fifty pounds every quarter. He died in something less than three years. His son immediately on his accession to his fortune, being at that time in London, wrote my father a very affectionate letter assuring him of the continuance of his friendship nor did he fail in his promise for two years he was punctual in his remittances to my father he did not during that time come down to berkshire having another country seat of which he was fonder at this time i lost my dear mother who had been for some years in a declining way and though during her health as she was an exceedingly good economist my father might have laid by some of his income yet the frequent journeys she was prescribed to bath and other places for change of air together with the expense of physicians at home put it out of his power to save anything which on my account gave him great uneasiness but as he was still strong and hale he was in hopes he might yet live to lay by something for me i was now about fifteen and the darling of my father's heart he was inconsolable for my mother's death but i endeavoured to comfort him and at last in some measure succeeded mr ware whom my father had not seen since the death of the good old gentleman came down to revisit his paternal seat he would not omit paying a visit of condolment to his old friend and tutor, and accordingly came to our house the day after his arrival in the country. Though I had seen him before, as it was in my childhood, I had taken but little notice of him. He is indeed a handsome, genteel young man." The innocent girl blushed as she spoke these words, but I seemed not to observe it. She proceeded with a sigh. My father, who loved him, was rejoiced to see him. Mr. Ware behaved with a tenderness and respect almost filial towards him, and was very obliging to me. He continued about a week in the country, calling to ask my father how he did every day. When he was about to return to London, he pressed my father to pass a few weeks with him in town. "'You are melancholy here,' said he changing the scene a little will divert both you and your daughter my father thanked him for the honor he did him but modestly declined it mr ware guessed at his motive and told him smiling i know your objection but to obviate it at once i must tell you that i have prevailed on my sister to come and keep house for me and i expect to find her at home on my return I knew his sister, a maiden lady some years older than himself, who had on the death of his father gone to live with a near relation of theirs. My father smiling in his turn told him he had guessed his mind rightly, and since that was the case he would not deprive his poor girl, looking at me, of the happiness of the good lady's company for a while mr ware said we might go to town with him in his coach and as we had but little preparation to make we set out with him next day when we arrived at his house in london he welcomed us with all the marks of politeness and respect i was surprised we did not see his sister the whole night but as she was not apprised of our coming i thought that either she was abroad or had not yet quitted her friend with whom she lived the next morning at breakfast mr ware made an apology for his sister's absence he said that the lady at whose house she lived was ill and that she could not possibly leave her till she was better which he supposed would be in a few days as her sickness was no other than the consequence of her lying in meanwhile he hoped mr price would not be uneasy as he was himself his daughter's guardian Though my father was not pleased at this excuse, he however concealed his thoughts from Mr. Ware, but told me, if Miss Ware did not come home in a few days, he purposed that we should take our leave and return to the country. We had very handsome apartments assigned us, and my father was put in possession of Mr. Ware's library, a very noble one where the gentleman knew he would pass his most agreeable hours for my part as i did not care to go abroad till i had a proper person for me to appear with i declined the offer mr ware very obligingly made of getting some ladies of his acquaintance to take me to public places i expected his sister every day and if she came as i knew my father purposed staying a month i thought i should have time enough to see everything so i chose to entertain myself with working and reading in my own room but madam i soon found that mr ware was a very base man the third day after we came to his house his behaviour towards me began to change entirely from what it was before he took every opportunity of being particular to me in his compliments i received them at first with that distant civility which i thought would neither encourage nor offend I looked upon him as a worthy young man and my father's friend and benefactor, and thought in my humble station I should not be too quick to take exceptions, as there had nothing as yet appeared in his behaviour which exceeded the bounds of respect. But he did not preserve this long. On the fifth day he came into a closet where I was reading, and there in the warmest manner declared himself, My lover! i would fain have turned his discourse into pleasantry but he had recourse to oaths and protestations and swore he would not live without my favour i represented the cruelty of the insult he offered me in his own house and begged he would leave me as i was determined to depart immediately i will not sir said i let my father know the unkind return you have made for all his care of you but i can easily prevail with him to leave your house he fell at my feet begged my pardon and talked all that sort of stuff which i have read in romances at length i got him out of the closet and locked the door resolving never to sit alone without using the same precaution while we stayed in his house which i hoped would not be above a day or two longer for I concluded there was no sister to come, and that this was only made use of as a snare to draw us to town. As I had a mind to try the young girl, I asked her, "'How came you to receive Mr. Ware's addresses in the manner you mentioned? How do you know he did not intend to marry you?' "'Ah, no, madam,' said she, "'I could not entertain such a thought.' I have not troubled you with the particulars of what he said to me but young as i was i knew too well what it tended to besides the fear he showed lest my father should know of his pretended courtship was enough to convince me what his designs were without anything else to guide me did you like him i asked the ingenuous young woman blushed i could have liked him madam she replied better than anybody I had ever seen, if there had not been such a distance between us." I desired her to proceed. I told my father that same evening that, as I saw there was no likelihood of the ladies coming to her brother, and as I led but a melancholy life having no woman to converse with, I had much rather be at home amongst my neighbours and acquaintance, and begged he would return to Berkshire. My father said it was what he had determined on after completing our week in town, unless Miss Ware came in the interim. "'I have just told our friend so,' said he. "'He seems to take it unkindly, and says he is afraid he has disobliged me. But I assured him my only reason was that I did not think the house of a handsome young bachelor a proper place for a pretty little country girl, even though her old father was with her.' He assures me his sister will come, and wants to protract our stay a few days longer. I hardly know how to refuse his entreaties, but I shall be uneasy till we are at home." I told my father Mr. Ware had too much sense to take his refusal amiss, and begged of him to stick to his day. I gave Mr. Ware no opportunity of speaking to me the remainder of that day, nor all the next though he came to my closet door where I always sat and entreated for admission, but I was peremptory in my denial, and he went away reproaching me with cruelty. Mr. Ware made an apology to my father on account of his being obliged to spend the evening abroad, the first time that he had been absent from us since we came to his house. He had twice entertained us with a very agreeable concert, at which there was a great deal of company both gentlemen and ladies. He had got it performed at his own house on purpose to amuse my father, who was a great lover of music. But excepting those two mornings, I had never seen any company with him, as he said he would not invite strangers till I had got a companion of my own to keep me in countenance. My father and I supped alone we were to go out of town the next day, and we retired to our respective chambers about eleven o'clock, in order to go to bed." The poor girl paused at this part of her story, as if she were ashamed to proceed. "'I hope,' said I, Mr. Ware did not violate the laws of hospitality by intruding on you that night." "'Oh, madam, he did—he did!' said she the vile wretch hid himself somewhere i know not where for it was not in my closet the housekeeper slept in my room in a little tent-bed which had been put up for that purpose but she was not as yet come upstairs The chambermaid, who had attended me to my room, told me there was to be a great deal of company to dine with her master the next day, and as the housekeeper was very busy in making jellies and pastry, she was afraid she should sit up late, and hoped I should not be disturbed at her coming into the room. I always dismissed the maid immediately, as I was not used to having a person to undress me. I went to bed. But not being a very sound sleeper, and knowing a particularity I had, which was that if once roused I could not compose myself to rest again, I resolved not to attempt it at all, till the housekeeper came to bed. I placed the candle on a stand near me, and took up a book that I found on a chair by my bedside, which I had been reading in the evening. I had been about an hour thus employed when I heard somebody treading softly in the room as i had not heard the door open i called out in affright to know who was there i received no answer but immediately mr ware presented himself on his knees at my bedside and half leaning on my bed i shrieked out i knew not what he said but i remember the most wicked of men helped me fast and talked a great deal I continued shrieking incessantly, and struggling to get loose from him, which at last I did by giving a violent spring, which threw me out of bed on the floor. I had hurt myself sadly by the fall, but dragging the quilt off the bed after me, I wrapped it about me, and shrieked louder than before. The vile man tried to pacify me, and said I should disturb my father. Providentially for me, my dear father had not gone to bed, for his room was a great way from mine, but was reading in the study which was over my bedchamber. He had heard my shrieks from the first, but little dreaming it was his poor daughter's voice, he imagined the noise was in the street, and had lifted up the sash and looked out to try whence it was proceeding finding everything quiet without doors, he ran downstairs and was led by my cries into my room, for my vile persecutor had not locked the door, very well knowing none of his own people could dare to molest him, and he did not think my cries would have reached my father's ears, as indeed they would not if he had gone to bed. "'Think, madam,' what my poor father must feel when he saw me on the floor for i was not able to rise such a spectacle of horror my cap was off and my nose bleeding with the fall the wretch was endeavoring to lift me up and i trying to resist him good god defend me said my father what is this i see oh sir said i clinging round him carry me out of the house carry me out directly from this monster my father looked aghast you do not mean mr ware my child said he it cannot be he who has put you into this condition mr ware quitted the room the minute he saw my father which was not till I catched hold of him, for he had his back to the door, and, I suppose, was in too much agitation to hear him coming in. My poor father, speechless with astonishment, took me into his arms and put me sitting on the bed. Then, stepping into my closet, brought out a bottle of water, some of which he made me drink, and afterwards washed the blood from my face, which he soon found only proceeded from my having hurt my nose a little. When I had recovered breath enough, I told him all that had passed. His despair, madam, is not to be described. He tore his hair and was like a madman." "'Where is the ungrateful villain?' said he. "'I will go this minute and upbraid him with his treachery.' He ran to the chamber door, but it was locked on the outside. My father thus prevented from going out had time to cool a little. He considered it would be to no purpose to reproach a powerful tyrant with the injuries he did us. He resolved to quit the inhospitable house as soon as any one in the family was up to open the door to him, and without ever seeing his face again, commit himself to providence for his future subsistence." It would have been happy for us if he could have executed this design, but the profligate man prevented us. We spent the remainder of the night in lamenting our misery. At daylight Mr. Ware entered the room in his nightgown, for I suppose he had gone to rest after he left us. He told my father he was sorry for what had passed, and imputed it to his having drunk too much. I own said he I love your daughter to distraction and could not bear the thoughts of losing her as I found you resolved to go out of town so suddenly my father answered I will not reproach you as I ought but my tender care of your youth did not deserve this return suffer us to depart out of your house and you shall never more be troubled with us mr ware entreated to speak with my father by himself and with much difficulty prevailed on him to go into his study with him they stayed together near half an hour and i heard them talking high my father then entered my room with tears streaming from his eyes i threw myself into a chair in an agony of grief the villain said he has finished his work he has stabbed your father's heart I ran to him, almost frantic. I thought he had made an attempt upon his life. When I found he was not hurt, I asked him the meaning of his words. "'He would have me sell you to him,' said he. He would have bribed the father to prostitute his child." "'Oh, sir,' said I, "'why do we stay under this detested roof?' "'There is no safety for us here,' said he. Come, my dear, let us get out of the house, and then we will consider which way we are to turn ourselves." My father laid hold of my hand, and I followed him just as I was, in my morning gown. We thought if we could once find ourselves in the street we should be happy, though neither of us knew where to go having no acquaintance in London. I had never been there before, and my father had been so long absent that he was forgotten by everybody. We got out of my room into a little sort of antechamber, but found the door of that fast locked. We now gave ourselves up for lost. Our despair is not to be expressed. We sat down and consulted what was the best to be done. I saw now there was nothing that our base persecutor would not attempt, and I told my father I was resolved at all events to make my escape he said that the shocking wretch had given him till the next day to consider of his proposal and he hoped by that time both father and daughter would come enough to their senses to think he had made them a very advantageous offer i told him in that lucky interval i hoped to be able to effect my deliverance which i thought i might accomplish with his assistance by tying the sheets of my bed together and so from the window sliding into the street We were both pleased with this expedient, but the next thing to be considered was what place I should go to, as I could not make this attempt till late at night and must go alone, for my father being in years and pretty corpulent, I could not think of letting him run the same hazard, which might have put his life into imminent danger, especially as I could not give him the same help which he could afford me.' this was a difficulty till i recollected a mantua maker who was then making some clothes for me and i happened to know where she lived to her house i resolved to go having first settled all my previous steps and to remain concealed there till my father should get an opportunity of coming to me i told him as i was the unhappy object on whom mr ware had designs I supposed he would not detain my father after I was gone." He shook his head, but said he hoped he would not. Having now settled our little plan, we were more composed. A servant brought breakfast into my apartment at the usual hour, and dinner and supper in the like manner. We did not appear troubled, but as carefully avoided seeming cheerful, for fear of giving suspicion. The housekeeper was generally the last person up in the family, so that I was either to seize the opportunity before she came up to my room, or wait till she was asleep. The last I thought the securest method, as she was an extremely sound sleeper. I lifted up the sash in the bedchamber to be in readiness, and closed the shutters again. Very fortunately, "'My father, having received his quarterly payment from Mr. Ware just before we came to town, had fifty guineas in his purse, half of which he insisted on my taking in case of emergency. About twelve o'clock the housekeeper came into the room where we were sitting, as she was obliged to pass through that to go to the room where we lay. We heard her at the door, and my father suddenly changed the subject of our discourse, made me a sign which I understood.' "'and as the woman entered, affected to be representing to me "'the charms of wealth and grandeur, "'whilst I seemed to listen with a sort of pleasure to him. "'He stopped when the woman came in, "'but not till he was sure she had heard what he said, "'for we observed she stayed at the outside of the door a little while, "'as if to listen to our conversation. "'On seeing us engaged in discourse, "'she made a motion to withdraw, saying, she would come up again when Mr. Price was retired to rest, but I told her she might, if she pleased, then go to bed, as we should not sit up long. But as I supposed she had orders to lock me in after my father had left me, she did not choose to do this. She said she was not sleepy, but would come up in half an hour and left the room smiling. This was an opportunity which I thought was not to be lost. I repaired to the window, and hearing a watchman cry the hour, I waited till he came under it, and having prepared a piece of paper, in which I had put a weight to carry it down, I lighted it and dropped it at his feet. It was fastened to a string, and at some distance from it above was fastened another large piece of white paper folded up, in which I put a guinea, and in two lines, written in a large plain hand, beseeched him to assist me in getting down, for which I would reward him with another guinea. The lighted paper, as I concluded it would, attracted the man's notice. He stopped and took it up, and finding another paper hanging to the string, looked up at the window. I leaned my body out as far as I could, and in a low voice, but loud enough for him to hear me, bid him read it. He opened the paper, and by the light of his own lantern read the lines, at the same time taking out the guinea, which I could perceive he also examined by the same light. He then said, "'I'll help you. Stay a little.' He made what haste he could away, and I was afraid he intended to leave me and return no more. My terror was inexpressible during the man's absence, especially as several people in that interval passed by. However, he soon returned with a companion, and the street being now clear, I saw he had brought a sort of plank or board under his arm, which he fixed from the iron palisados across to the stonework which jutted out from the bottom of the lower windows on this he without difficulty mounted and being now much nearer to me he told me he would receive me if i could contrive to get down to him my poor father hastily kissed and blessed me and having my apparatus ready for descending he had the farther precaution to fix some strong ribbons which i had tied together for the purpose under my arms these he held in his hands whilst I slid down by the sheets which I had fastened together cornerways with a knot. the trusty watchman caught me in his arms and lifted me over the palisados to his comrade who set me safely down on the street End of section thirty nine